We need processes and we need systems and we need workflows in our business to deliver that seamless, repeatable client experience. And it needs to deliver the work that you do and the relationship touch points that you're trying to build as well. Hi, I'm Melanie Barr. Welcome to the She Built It Experience with Melanie. Join me as I talk to women who have successfully built it, a career and business that they love. We dive into the topic of how they built it and talk about everything from having the courage to make career leaps to the details of how to lead effectively, create successful teams, implement strategies for growth, and infuse tech innovation. Magic happens when we focus on the part of ourselves and our business that brings us joy. So let's dive in. Thank you for joining us, Stacey. You are a three-time entrepreneur and author of the award-winning book, Generating Business Referrals Without Asking. Tell us about what you do, your business, and what led you to write your book. I teach small business owners how to generate referrals naturally. And when we say naturally, what we mean is not having to feel like you've got to participate in the traditional ways that teaching referrals has been around for decades and decades. So when we say naturally, we mean without manipulation, without incentivizing, and without even asking for them. We look at the science behind what's happening when referrals are being given, and then we develop strategies and tactics that actually protect relationships and work. So I've been doing this now for about 10 years. We hit 10 years this year. And it was a couple of years ago, it was like, okay, it's just time for a book. It was always, there would be a book eventually. Now it's a wins book number two coming out, which I've been sitting on for embarrassingly way too long. The idea was always, how can I get the message out to more people? Because I'm a contrarian in the space of referrals. Most people teach that you've got to ask if you want referrals. And I'm like, absolutely not. Don't do that. So I do a lot of the educating. Somebody called it time-released learning. They're like, they like get it. And they're like, then they got to like really get it to understand that it's possible. So the book was just a natural next step as we're educating the people that we work with. My background is in sales and I love sales. And I know not everyone does. And it's so much building relationships. Was your background in sales? It was, I have a portfolio career. So I actually went to college. I got a broadcast journalism degree because my expectation was, and what I had planned on doing was being the next Katie Couric. I assumed somebody needed to replace her. Why couldn't it be me? And then I went off to college and got my journalism degree. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. So it really started me on a portfolio career. I do have a background in sales and marketing. But every opportunity I was placed in was about, okay, what can I learn from this situation? For me, it was, I do have a background in human resources, HR, employee engagement, generational diversity. I also have a background in sales and marketing, publishing as well. But I could never have predicted the people that I would help, how uniquely positioned I would be to be able to help them based on this portfolio career that I have before I started this business. Everything has centered always around the positions that I've had within those industries and within my other company has always centered around communication and language and messaging and then relationships. So that's always been an ongoing theme. And I see how that's a tie-in because the more you ask and the more you're told no, the more you learn. You learn what to do the next time and how to do it better and also how to build those relationships to where someone would want to refer you. Yeah. It's funny because when I talk about referrals, people bring all kinds of baggage to 
to the conversation and even how they define referrals and what it means to them and what it looks like. And I will find people being like, okay, Stacy says you can't ask for referrals. So I'm also not asking for testimonials or reviews. And I'm like, I didn't say that. That's not what I said. (laughs) Or they'll be like, Stacy says you can't ask for referrals. So that also means I can't ask for the business. I'm like, you need to know how to sell. When you're talking to a prospect, you need to know how to take them through your process, whatever that looks like, to be able to close them into a paying client. And you need to also, when they think you're amazing, right? you also need to have a system in place, processes in place to not be afraid to say, hey, you love this experience. Would you give me a testimonial? Would you do an online review? Like Those are things you should know how to do. And those are things you have to ask for. What I will always tell you never to do is don't then go ask that client to refer you. There are other ways that will actually make the referral their idea versus your idea, which is actually what builds on that relationship and it strengthens their willingness to refer you long-term. And it's so much better when it's their idea. Right. Here's what people don't always realize about referrals. If I were to say, hey, Melanie, I know you know a lot of amazing people. I'm sure they're all awesome. They're all like you and they probably all need to work with me. So who do you know that you should be referring to me so I can teach them what I do? And the reality of it is in that moment, not only did I make an assumption that people need what I do, I'm assuming there's some need. I'm manufacturing or artificially creating, which doesn't actually exist, which is you knowing people who need what I do. The other thing I just did is I just gave you work to do. Like I just gave you like a homework assignment. And most people just don't realize that when you're asking for referrals, that's ultimately what you're doing is you're placing it on someone else to come up with people to refer to you. And that's not how it works. That's not how the science says that it works. That's why you get that uncomfortable, awkward feeling in the pit of your stomach Every time you've been told you've got to ask someone for a referral, there's a reason for that. It's like your intuition and your gut are saying, this is awful. This is uncomfortable and I don't want to do it. Now, there will always be unicorns in the world and there will always be people who are like, I love to ask people for referrals. They're not my people. They're not in my tribe. But definitely what I'm trying to help people understand is that you can generate referrals and you can get it consistently and you can actually have some control over what your referrals look like, but you're going to have to put in the work and you're going to have to know the right strategies and tactics. And it all centers around relationships. You have a client experience formula that drives referrals. If someone follows your formula, share with us how they will gain success. We actually teach, this is usually for most folks, a little bit like, what? I had no idea there were that many ways to think about referrals in my business. But we actually teach 19 different strategies. Teaching you how to build out a referable client experience so that your client experience plants referral seeds and brings clients to the place where they're more likely to refer you is actually just one of the 19. But it is one of the three biggest strategies that we teach. And it's almost like a disclaimer. When people are like, hey, I want to get more referrals, I almost make an assumption that you're referable. Okay, let me teach you. I'm assuming people want to refer you like you're referable in nature. And so with the referable client experience, we just make that the reality. The formula that we teach is that to be a great client experience, to be sticky, right? To have the wow factor, to have people be like, oh my gosh, working with Melanie was amazing. For that emotion to be evoked, right? Because the client experience is all about what your client thinks about and feels about when they're working with you. The idea behind that formula, though, is that's got to be a balance of the work you do, which we happen to call work touch points, balanced out with the relationship 
you're trying to build, which is the relationship touch points. And it's not 50-50, right? It's usually like relationship touch points are going to be 20 to 30%. And the balance of that will be the work touch points that you're doing. But people just miss, in some cases, simple. And in some cases, you got to think about it. Opportunity is to really build that relationship with your client, to be the person they'd be like, wow, I did not expect that after working with Stacy." And then also be able to plant referral seeds. So there's the potential for them to think about referring you as well. And so when you think about the work you do, just make sure you've also got that relationship piece mixed in as well. That's what helps you be referable. The customer experience and the relationship is everything. And I think people downplay it because what I tell people is that you have a client experience, whether you're intentional about it or not, there is an experience. Your people are feeling things. They're going through things. What I'm hoping is that it's a referable client experience, it's repeatable for every client, and it actually works the way you want it to, while also not being this overly taxing process or strategies or systems you're trying to put into place. Within your program, you suggest the right way to define referral. How do you define referral? Yes. So the way we define a referral is it's two parts. And the first part is you've got to be connected by someone who we call the referral source, the person who's going to refer you. You've got to be connected by the referral source to the prospect. And that connection typically happens in most industries over email, though I will see it in some industries like real estate and others where it may happen a little bit more over text threads. But it's really going to happen. That connection is going to be made from the referral source to the prospect. And they're connecting to you right? because you're the solution provider for whatever problem the prospect has, which leads us to the second part of the definition, which is there's a need identified in the prospect. I'm going to use just real estate as this example. If I'm living in the house, this is my forever home. I have no intentions of moving. I'm going to be here forever. That's the plan, right? I never need to be referred to a real estate agent because I have zero need and zero desire. And so the idea here is what when you receive a referral, not only do you need to be connected by the referral source to the prospect so that trust can be transferred, but actually that the prospects, yeah, I'm the prospect, raise my hand. I'm the one who has a problem and I'm interested in solving that problem which is why I let that referral source connect us, which is why I let myself be referred to you. Personal connection, need identified in the prospect. It's so interesting because sales and referrals, you can think negatively about the words, but sales and referrals make a business. You have a lot of different ways that clients can come into your business or prospects before they become clients can come into your business. You can do advertising, you can do networking, you can run ads, you can attend a bunch of networking groups, you can join leads groups, you can have social media that your thought leadership you're putting out there, you can get PR and you can get referrals. All of those things, and you don't need all of those things, but you definitely need a couple of ways that you bring clients in the door. When I work with a client, I just want referrals to be the biggest piece of the pie. I want you to have a diversified sales strategy. I think that is smart business, but I just want referrals to be a locked and loaded strategy you have of how you consistently bring in clients, whether they're referred to you or they come through a Facebook ad or they meet you at a networking event, they still have to go through the buyer's journey. And the buyer's journey is where they're making the decision to say yes or no or not now to working with you. That's where that sales process is ultimately happening. So we need to understand it all. And we don't have to be amazing at everything, but we have to know our processes. We have to know what we say and what we do and what that looks like to be able to grow a business. Because to your point, without paying clients, we really don't have a business at all. And you're so right. The referral being the biggest piece of the pie just makes life easier. The prequel to generating referrals is being referable. What do people overlook about their client experience when it comes to referrals? 
we teach this from a two-part process because I think it makes it easier for our minds to latch on and understand where we may have a gap. The first one is that actual repeatable client experience process. The work you do along with the relationship that you're building executed through touch points that you actually have a process behind. So it's not, oh, client A got this amazing experience because I wasn't that busy and I did all these extra things. And now client E has come in and I'm so busy with clients A through D that I barely doing anything for client E. I'm just like trying to get the work done. We need processes and we need systems and we need workflows in our business to deliver that seamless, repeatable client experience. And it needs to deliver the work that you do and the relationship touch points that you're trying to build as well. And then the second piece that people overlook is there's actually moments within your client experience where you should be paying attention to opportunities to plant referral seeds to kind of like we talked about earlier, making it your client's idea to ultimately refer you. So we teach people, okay, once we've got that repeatable, that wow client experience, it's sticky, right? We're really proud of this client experience that we have down. Then we want to go in and we want to look for moments where we have the opportunity to use different language and to do different things to be able to generate the idea of referrals. And we want to be paying attention. The third thing is paying attention to the who. Not every client's going to refer you. I want every client to love you. But loving you does not equate referrals because if it did, I wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be talking to me and I wouldn't have a business because not every client will refer you. And so we need to also be paying attention to those clients that have the greater potential to refer you. So I teach my clients, like, where do you notice those things? Like, where are things said within that client experience that I need you to just pay attention to? Because that person could probably be cultivated into a referral source. It's so interesting, because there's things that we know, we know our processes relate to our client experiences, but we don't always think about it that way, especially when we're going through the process. So it's so great to have these reminders to say, hey, look, We're going through the process. The process is for the customer, but how does it relate to their experience? One of the things I teach my clients to do when they're going through the client experience is map it out. You can bullet point it out, you can draw it out, or you can actually like what I would prefer my clients to do and actually have the journey map, the expectation map. It's like, hey, this is what it's going to look like to work with me. And I can't tell you how many of my clients have joined my coaching program. I had a client that was going through my client experience and he was like, He just happened to mention, he goes, that map, think like a candy land board. It's kind of how we tell folks to create them. He was like, that map of what I can expect and where I am in the face. He he was like, I haven't even learned the first strategy from you. And this map alone was worth the cost of admission because this is missing in my business. And I'm like, oh, hang on, because there's so much more coming your way that you're going to be like, I can't believe I didn't have this in my business. And it's pretty simple. But I always like to remind folks when you're doing the client experience, Take a minute to put yourself in your client's shoes. Just remember what it's like to be a client. We all have buyer's remorse. What are you doing in that new client stage to overcome that buyer's remorse? What are you doing even in the buyer's journey before they become a client to help them understand what it looks like to work with you? When you're halfway through the process and the client stops doing what they're supposed to be doing and they're holding up the process, how do you have a mechanism in place that allows you to remind them gently and politely, this is all your fault. (laughs) This is not my fault. But doing it in a way that's, they would be like, oh, because you warned me about this. Like all those things we just don't think about, we just teach it. Yes, you should be thinking about them and you should have systems in place to manage those moments. And I'll be honest, 
All these systems are not email-based. Everything is not automated and everything is not, oh, I just put you on this 12 drip campaign email and I'm going to solve all my client experience problems. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. So important today too, when you've reached the point of, okay, I've hit my limit to be able to talk to someone. I understand bots to a certain point can fix our problems, but at a certain point, being able to talk to someone is so important in the client and customer experience. Yeah. And it's how you build a relationship. The truth is, if I felt like all the relationship outreach within the client experience, all the relationship touch points were automated or done by a bot or were done by some type of digital software, they lack the impact they're going to have on me. That's important for people to pay attention to within their client experience. I need some things to be automated. Your clients want some things to be automated, but some things shouldn't be. And it's discerning which should be and which shouldn't and which needed a little extra step. That stuff really matters. And people just, we're so busy that we don't stop and think about those things until something happens and we have to, or we decide this has got to be easier. There's got to be a way to make this easier. And sometimes that means, yeah, I need you to take a step back, go to the 30,000 foot view, view your business, and let's pay attention to what we need to fix. You're so right. At the end of the day, we're still human. Yes, we are. Hopefully we will Thank always goodness. be human. <laughs> Thank goodness. What do you think is the most important element when scaling a business and growing your teams? So that is an interesting question for me because I am a solopreneur with the exception that I have an army of contractors. And some people would look at this and be like, that's exactly what I want. And other people would look at my business and be like, that is not what I want. But I am at a stage in life. I refer to myself as a family first entrepreneur. I want to make as much money as possible and help as many people as possible. But as long as it fits within the world that I am living in right now with three teenagers who will eventually want to becoming a teenager tomorrow. I've got a handful of summers left with my boys and a few more after that with my daughter. For me, it's this idea of, I want to help people and being a successful entrepreneur that helps a lot of people while working as little as possible and building processes and systems that allow me to do that as long as my clients are getting results and they're getting what they need from me and what they're investing within my company. And so I build everything with that in mind. And one of those things that I decided early on, and this is not for everybody, but I prefer long-term relationships with contractors. Like I have a tech person who's been with me since 2018. I do a check-in. You're not firing me. I'm not firing you. You're not firing me. Is everything good? It's like having somebody in your business that you can have strategy conversations with because they know the insides of your business versus someone who doesn't. And so I made the decision to rely on contractors in my business in certain areas and in certain ways Because I also know that when you have employees that you're relying on to do things and then they leave or they're not there or something happens, all that work typically falls back onto the leader. And there's nothing wrong with growing a huge team or a small team or whatever team you want. This was just a personal decision I made on my journey. And I had to learn some of these things from a business failure to get it right with the next business. And so for me, it really is. It is a small but mighty team of me and a team of contractors making sure that I have the processes in place to replace a contractor if I ever needed to, but it doesn't include employees. And right now that works really well for me. There's not that many more summers that I have left before I will be an empty nester. And that may look totally different. I may want an entirely different system in place or type of business in place or what that's going to look like. And then I will take that adventure on at that time. So for me, it's all about what works for me and lets me sleep 
well at night, knowing that my clients are getting what they need and that my business is doing what it needs to do and it's living up to its promises and I enjoy it. I don't want to walk out to my office every day and be like, oh gosh, I walk out to my office every day and I'm like, okay, I may only be here for four hours today, but I'm excited for those four hours. I love how you give yourself permission to flow through life in what you need. It's the whole point of the She Built It podcast is to highlight women doing what they love and living the life that they choose. So I love how you give yourself permission to do that. So I don't think everyone does. They don't. And I'll be honest, it took a long time. And I used to privately give myself permission, but then feel awkward when I was trying to explain it to somebody else. And it really wasn't until I discovered it and like really got into the whole make as much money as possible working as little as possible, as long as my clients are getting success, then that's okay. I'm okay there. And as long as my clients are happy, I don't have to prove it to anyone else. And then later on, I found that family first entrepreneur like label. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yep, that's me. That's what I'm trying to do for right now. And it's a stage. I'm in a season. We never know how long any of our seasons, good or bad, are going to last. And though I think it's really hard in this world today, particularly with social media, the way it is, to be an active participant of not participating in the comparison society and allowing yourself to be like, yeah, she is sitting on a yacht with probably a trainer that's helping her look that way. And I would love that, but I'm also going to go sit at a baseball game for two hours tonight and have the best time of my life. That's what I'm going to be doing tonight too. Yeah. <laughs> Sun's in the playoffs. Yep. Yes. <laughs> I'll be with you. I tell you, baseball. Could they have picked a longer sport? <laughs> Magic happens when we focus on the part of ourselves and our business that brings us joy. I ask this question at the end of every She Built It podcast episode. What is one way that you make sure to find and live your joy? This was something that I went on a self-discovery journey. I don't remember it necessarily being because of COVID or anything like that, but it really came to head for me in 2021. And I sat down and I tried to figure out when I show up for work or when I show up for my family, what is going to make me happy and what is that going to look like? And I came down to this formula and it was a little bit like we have three children. One of our kids is not biological. It's actually our nephew that we have custody of. And he has needs that are just different. And that I was not equipped to deal with when we took custody of him at seven years old, and he's now 15. I know that when I walk into the house, I can't be exhausted. I can't be tired. I can't be snappy because I'm irritated about what happened in my day. And so that formed a lot of how I look at the business that I have and the success and the joy and the things that I'm looking for. So I went on a journey like really in 2021 to be like, how can I find a model that will allow me not to feel exhausted at the end of the day? That's truly the question I was trying to answer. How do I find a model that'll help me do that? And I completely shifted. We brought out this brand new like coaching program. We launched it at the end of 20, like fourth quarter of 2021. And the model itself allows me to show up and do the things I love and not do the things I don't want to do. And for me, one of the things that brings me the greatest joy in my business is when I get on a Zoom call once a week with the people in my coaching program, and I just field questions for an hour. What are your questions? What do you need to know? How can I help you create that language? How do I help you overcome that roadblock? How do I move that roadblock or that obstruction out of the way for you? And I just answer questions, but I'm not teaching my material live day in and day out. And that is all recorded. And that shift in my business changed everything about how much I love this business because I love the light bulb moments which happen when I'm having conversations with my clients, not necessarily in any other format. And so I changed the whole model around it. And it was hard and it was painful. And I doubted myself and I was like, oh my God, this is going to fail. And it's been the most successful thing that I've done because people actually want their hand held 
but they don't need it held all the time. They just want access to you to know they're doing it right. And I'm like, I can give you that. And I could do it in a container of time and in a space where you feel like as a client, you're getting everything you need because I'm there every week, unless I'm on vacation or it's a holiday. And I'm only feeling like it's an hour a week. So it is this beautiful blend of the structure. The model is ultimately what's made me feel super successful and a big leap that I've made in my business that I'm really proud of. And it's got to be great for your clients to have someone they can go to find that help. Because when you find that person in life that can help you with whatever you're struggling with, it feels so good, whatever that is. It is. And I'm pretty convinced that's why we have an 89% renewal rate in the coaching program. It was never created that way. I was like, you're supposed to spend a year with me and then graduate. Off you go. You got what you need. And people are like, I've had people who are like with me like four or five years. And they're like, nope, not going anywhere. Love the accountability. Love the community. Love that I can go to you when I have questions. And I also do like these one-on-one milestone calls with clients and there's no limit on them. It's like when you need a 30-minute call with me, just book it. The schedule's only available every 15 days. So I'm not like scheduled all the way out. I'm like, when you need it, book it. I don't care. I can take that. I can take that from the car. I can take it from my office. I can take it from wherever. It doesn't matter to me. And with my clients, it's that ability to be like, I've got access to the one person who can solve my problem the quickest. I'm not solving anybody's financial problems, but that's where I see the real progress made as well. And I get to hear about all the successful things that I probably would miss if the program were structured differently. Thank you so much for joining us today. Stacey, you've given us so much to think about as it relates to referrals and allowing ourselves to flow through life and do the things that we love. Please tell us how and where we can find you. So Homebase is the website, stacybrownrandall.com. Stacy is spelled with an E. And of course, you can find me through my full name on most of the social media channels as well. LinkedIn and Instagram are my preferred two channels, but I am on some other ones as well. If you're listening to this podcast, maybe you want to add another one. I've got Roadmap to Referrals is our podcast. We're closing in on 300 episodes. And then of course, with the book, there's always a way for you to start learning a little bit more about referrals because you can build a referrable business if you will be willing to put in the work. Thank you for joining us today. I'd love to hear from you. Reach out to me at hello at shebuiltit.com on our SheBuiltIt website or at SheBuiltIt on social. Thank you to my editor, Rich Streffolino, who always makes us sound good. Until next time, let nothing stop you from experiencing the life and business that you crave.